On this episode, we discuss the sixth episode of season two of Westworld, Face Space. Our esteemed guest host, Caleb, joins the Pour Over Boys as they weigh in on The Cradle, Maeve's never-ending journey, and Teddy 2.0. Tune in as we pour it all over. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Joe, and Dill. Uh, each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very th- th- thing so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. And this week, uh, I am welcoming Caleb back to the pod to discuss Hello. face space. Hey, <laughs> Caleb, how's it going? Going pretty good, going pretty good. I'm trying to stay warm in all this freezing, freezing, freezing weather, but oh, <laughs> I'm doing all right. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, how sir. are you? Pretty good. Uh, Dayton is equally freezing. It's, mm. I think, about 15 degrees here. I don't know what it's like in Columbus. Oh, it was like single digits last oh. I checked. So, yeah, it's two degrees uh, right now is what they're saying. What? So, yeah. That is bananas. <laughs> yeah, <it> sucks. <laughs> uh, so, I'm guessing no grilling out today, no outdoor Yeah, not, not not today. Maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, but yeah, definitely <laughs> not, not today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, which you guys probably don't know, uh, today is Martin Luther King Day. Yes. Uh, so we're celebrating the life of a great man. And usually for me and my family, that revolves around food. Um, mm. So unfortunately, no barbecues are grilling out today for us. It's a little, yeah, a little too cold for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we are also missing Dylan tonight. He is uh, just busy, so we decided to roll with the show since we have two people to his company Heck and yeah. yeah we're rolling with it um any interesting food experiences this week caleb yeah, you know anything tasty hmm, i think nothing super major i know tonight um i my mom made some fish stuff that was pretty tasty i haven't had fish in a while i don't actually know what kind of fish it was but it had these funky seasonings on it Mm. um and it was very tasty so yeah oh do you guys like to grill it fry it bake it Uh, i think this one this one is just baked but every now and then my mom also do some yeah some fried fried fish as well but it was just baked fish this time nice nice yeah my mom used to bake salmon a lot, and mm. we actually used to put mayonnaise on it. Mayonnaise? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I don't know if it's like an Asian thing or, well, I mean, it's my reality. It must be an Asian thing. Um, mm. She would like put salmon, I mean, put salmon on, yeah, like a pan, and then put mayonnaise on it, and then put like salt and pepper, and then bake it. Huh. That's, yeah, that's... How do do you still eat it like that? Do you still enjoy it? Salmon Uh, cooking it like that, or I don't enjoy it like that. Although (laughs) when my mom makes it, it tastes good. I guess. Mm. Um, I usually just I don't really make salmon, but I don't know. I guess if I did, I would probably I would probably be doing the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's familiar. Hmm. I feel that. I don't know, I've never really liked mayonnaise, and so just the concept of mayonnaise with things is always, mm. I don't know, it's, it's yeah, a little a little interesting for me. But yeah, I, I definitely feel that about having the nostalgia factor and just the familiarity of food, and especially, yeah, parents' food, I feel like, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's comfortable and it's nice. Yeah, I feel that. Are there any, um, like, family food traditions that you have? Hmm... I don't know if there's any major things. I know when we were growing up, my mom would make lots of soups. Um, mm. So it was like, you know, chili or uh, like an Italian wedding soup. Oh, yeah. Um, she made that just recently, actually. It was pretty good. Um, but yeah, we always make, yeah, she'd make a big old pot of soup. There were me and I had three siblings and my dad, so six of us that, you know, had to feed. And soup is a pretty good thing to make because it feeds lots of people for a while. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, wedding soup and chili and... Um, I guess what's interesting, yeah, so I don't know if this is standard or regular, but with chili especially, my mom usually will make, um, like, cornbread that goes with it, so we'll have chili and cornbread, oh, nice. and that's 
for as long as I can remember, whenever I eat chili, I always associate cornbread with chili. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a normal thing or if that's just an us thing, mm -hmm. but that's, um, and we do all the time. <laughs> I don't know if I eat cornbread right. I also put <laughs> like jelly on cornbread often. Okay. Um, and so I don't know if that's also how you're supposed to eat cornbread, but that's how I've always eaten it again with chili. <laughs> so like chili right. and then jelly and cornbread. And then is cornbread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So... So I got my salmon mayonnaise combination. You got your jelly yeah, cornbread combination. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> you got something a little different, but <laughs> yeah. Are there any uh, maybe like yeah traditional food stuff for you? Um, yeah, my mom would make. I mean, uh, full disclosure, I'm I'm like Taiwanese Chinese, so mm -hmm, grew up mm -hmm. eating a lot of Chinese food, and um, you know, if if you ever are talking to someone who's Taiwanese, they'll usually tell you that unless they're Aboriginal, that their family cooked things from like different parts of China. So huh. my mom is from um, a part of China that um, I think she's from <laughs> Suzhou. I can't be super certain because my mom would probably slap me right now. If giving <laughs> people false information. Uh, but she also cooked a lot of Northern food too, like Northern Chinese food. Mm. And uh, northern Chinese food is, like, usually real rustic and, like, real kind of hearty and uses a lot of, like, uh, breads and, and like, mm. uh, flour-based foods, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. which differs from southern Chinese food, which is a lot more rice-based because okay. of the, you know, like, the geography, the, the climate, like, what, what people can grow. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of my favorite things that my mom makes is, like, a... It's called dabing in Chinese, which uh, roughly translates to uh, mm, like big bread. Big bread. Uh, okay. And it's literally that. It's literally like this big piece of bread. Mm. Um, but it's like, have you had a scallion pancake before? A scallion pancake? I do not think I have. Okay. It's like, well, scallions are like green onions, but um, it's okay, like. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a flaky, kind of kind of greasy, uh, fried like uh, bread thing, like a fry bread, with uh, like green onions and like sometimes sesame seeds on it. Okay. And the version my mom makes is called dabing because it's like a bigger version of that, and it's a okay. lot more fluffy and kind of like spongy. Um. Anyways, uh, look it up on YouTube or something. You'll probably yeah, yeah, find yeah. like some videos of it. But that was my favorite thing growing mm. up. And then whenever we would um, save it for the next day, she would um, cut it up into like little pieces and mm. then uh, put it into soup and make kind of like a bread mm. soup thing. Um, yeah, so. Wow, that sounds like, really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good times. Yeah, I really like bread in general, so really bread in any form is always appealing to me, so <laughs> I just have to look into this. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're big fans of bread, too, on the mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a great delivery for food, delivery vehicle for food. Oh, yes, yes. I'd love the way of describing bread like that, too. <laughs> delivery <laughs> vehicle for food. Oh, uh, I like that. I think that's why I like bread, or not bread. <laughs> I do like bread, but I think that's why... <laughs> I like pizza over tacos, mm. if there were ever a battle. Mm -hmm. I don't know where pizza you are on that tacos. spectrum. Pizza over tacos. Um, or tacos I think over pizza. On pizza. any given day, I think I probably would prefer pizza, if only because the pizza experiences that I have had have been very, very filling. And I feel like mm. the good taco experiences I've had, I've needed a couple tacos to get me that filling. Oh, and yeah. they taste amazing. I think the flavor in a taco, a good taco, is way, like, surpasses that of a pizza. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you need to get a lot of good tacos to equal that same level of filling. Right. Um, and maybe that's just my American culture growing up eating pizza all the time as opposed to tacos. But, um, yeah, I think I would prefer... A pizza over a taco sure if only yeah because I, I i do like the bread and that food delivery service of a <laughs> pizza that can deliver all of those wonderful toppings to your mouth <laughs> absolutely absolutely i wouldn't have explained it any better mm, mm, mm. oh 
Well, uh, thanks for chatting me about chatting with me about that, Caleb. It's yeah. <laughs> a little bit different than our coffee talk, but mm-hmm. uh, we always enjoy food, regardless mm-hmm. of its forms. Yes. Segue to our episode discussion. <laughs> uh, not the smoothest, and yeah, we'll, very we'll different. Count it, we'll count it. <laughs> we'll count it. <laughs> a very different scenario back in Westworld. So mm-hmm. I'll let you take it away, man. Yeah. So just a little quick summary, uh, recap of the episode. Uh, This episode was called Phase Space. Um, In this episode, after Akane excises Sakura's heart, Maeve's group comes upon Lieutenant Tanaka, who is handily defeated by Musashi in a duel. The group then travels to Snow Lake, where Musashi and Akane decide to stay to mourn Sakura's death and defend their homeland. Maeve continues on her journey to find her daughter and finally reaches the farm stand where her daughter is. We discover that Maeve's daughter now has a new mother, who appears confused at the presence of Maeve. Quickly, the farm stand is attacked by the natives, and Maeve escapes with her daughter, leaving the mother host behind. We also find William reunited with his daughter for a brief moment. Emily, his daughter, explains to her father that she only wants him to come back to the real world. William initially agrees, but deserts Emily at sunrise. Meanwhile, Dolores and the newly reformed Teddy are in Sweetwater, preparing to take a train to the Mesa. Teddy ruthlessly kills a guest who struggles to give information on where Abernathy is, and Dolores' group launches a portion of the train filled with explosives into the Mesa's entrance terminal. Elsie, deep in the cradle, feels the blast from the train, while Bernard's mind is uploaded into the cradle. Bernard discovers that the cradle's metaphysical space is a pre-uprising Sweetwater, and he wanders towards the Mariposa to find everything as normal, except for a familiar-looking dog that struts into the saloon, and inside the Mariposa, Bernard notices a gentleman playing the piano, and in the reflection, we see the face of Dr. Ford, who turns to Bernard and remarks, Hello, old friend. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, levels to this episode. Yes. Figuratively and literally. <laughs> Figuratively and literally. Almost <laughs> like an inception kind of uh, taking deeper and deeper. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was like a little bit of an inception to this episode. I mean, except mm. inception style, like with mm-hmm. the cradle and then entering the mind or the mm-hmm. mind entering the cradle. Mm-hmm. That was kind of crazy. Uh, what did you think about that? I think so. I guess the whole thing with Ford being in the cradle. So definitely I called that I um either earlier this episode or the episode before when um Elsie and Bernard were talking about the Dallas's attempts to take control of the system and how there was something always blocking them um mm-hmm. as if the program was alive. And so I actually have a note written down. I bet you that Ford is somehow in the system and then learn later on that he's actually somehow put himself into the control system for the park, uh, which is very interesting. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of I guess what was interesting, too, at the beginning of the episode, we have this reveal. There's this conversation right with. Bernard and Dolores, where mm-hmm. we've seen this conversation over and over and over again throughout this season and the previous season, and it usually always starts or ends with Bernard saying, you know, you scare me sometimes, Dolores, um, yes. not who you are now, but what you might become and all this stuff. But at the beginning of this episode, we actually see the rest of that conversation and we see mm-hmm. Bernard kind of come up with this. He's, you know, I'm faced with a choice between the unknown and an end. Mm-hmm. And if you outgrow this place, talking to Dolores, what would become of you? And then she stops him and she's like, well, no, he wouldn't say that. He wouldn't Mm -hmm. question his own actions, his own agency. And then all of a sudden the whole conversation switches and you see that Dolores is now trying to test him for fidelity, which is very similar to what (laughs) William was doing with Delos. And so I guess what I started seeing was, okay, so well, William and his people failed trying to recreate Delos, but it seems like Ford has been trying to, maybe that's something that he's been trying to do this whole entire time. And so Mm -hmm. he's obviously done something with Bernard. He's recreated Bernard to the point Mm -hmm. where he actually thought that he was Bernard and not Arnold. And other people thought that, um, you know, he was Arnold and not Bernard. And kind of this whole recreation 
of Bernard has been successful to a point. Obviously, Bernard's having some problems now, but mm-hmm. um, you know that was successful. And now we see that there's kind of this whole mission that Ford had Bernard go on to recreate his mind, and it seems like take his mind and put it into the into the, the park into the the, the park. system yeah and we see that somehow ford is alive and so it seems like is this was this maybe the purpose ford's mission the whole entire time was to kind of recreate this reality and mm. keep himself from or make it so that he could live indefinitely inside of the the, the system right. so i thought that was really interesting mm. And and I wonder, too, uh, those are really good points. And I wonder, too, if it was also Ford's mission to bring Bernard to him in the Hmm. cradle. Because it last, uh, was it last episode or the episode before when Bernard um, uh, reconvenes with Elsie and they rendezvous? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's almost like Ford brought Bernard to Elsie to reconnect Mm. them. Um, Because maybe she was the only one that could help restart him and kind of give him that Mm -hmm, cortical mm -hmm. fluid. And then Bernard was the only one that could really kind of empower Elsie once again to take up uh, maybe Ford's physical kind of uh, person in the real Mm -hmm. world. Because Bernard had an interesting line when they were walking down the railroad tracks of like, I forgot what he said, but he was like, if there's anyone that could... I don't know, like change the change the world now, so to speak. It's you, or what? what he said mm, something mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, so I'm like, man, Ford is like masterminding something in the background. Um, yeah. All while he's just like chilling in the saloon, playing the piano. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, it's like you're really messing with the real world, Ford, but you just like chilling in the saloon, like. Mm. So, man. Which I mean, that's like it seems like at least all of the first season. It seemed like it was building up, like Ford had this plan, this big, ginormous thing that was unfolding slowly but surely throughout the whole first season. Mm-hmm. And then it's it initiated at the end when he has Dolores kill him and the hosts all turn on the guests. And so I think, yeah, it's interesting now starting to see, we're starting to get bits and pieces now of, you know, what is Ford's mission, what is his plan how right. is he, uh, you know, fighting back against William in some ways um, and fighting at back against, you know, Delos and uh, the rest of the folks that are mm. kind of have this mission um, with the park? Yeah. Is a uh, question for you. Is there anything mm. that's going on right now that you feel is not part of Ford's plan? Hmm. I feel like potentially a lot of the stuff that's going on with Maeve is seems mm-hmm. like it's its own separate thing. Yeah. Um, at least it doesn't seem like Ford has done a lot of interaction with Maeve. It seems like, um, I mean, he's talked with Dolores, obviously he's been working with Dolores and Bernard the whole time he's been interacting with William and he's literally created this game for William almost, it seems. Sure. Um, but it seems like Maeve is just, she's just a part or inside of this world, but she's not actually a part of it. And she's just kind of doing right. her own thing on mm-hmm. her own quest. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say if anything, yeah, Maeve is Maeve's journey. Her whole thing is probably the most separate from Ford's mission. Now I don't know. He clearly still seems to have some sort of control over the sure. park and the hosts and the programming. So he could definitely be involved, but I feel like at least as, as we've been, uh, what the viewers have been exposed to thus far, it doesn't seem like Maeve has really been connected to Ford as much. Right, right. I mean, she seems like she's on a completely different storyline, um, almost like two halves of one series, one hmm. kind of the whole Elsie, Bernard, Dolores, Ford thing, and the other side being Maeve's journey. And a little bit like the Man in, Man in Black is kind of doing his own thing too. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, going to going to the Mave point, um, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting that the writers are giving her this whole new chapter and kind of this new direction, um, and uh, kind of going back to what Dylan and I talked about before. But I wonder how that's going going to uh, eventually, and I think it will hit crossroads with Dolores or maybe even the Elsie and Bernard stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there was the episode, maybe episode two, I think, when Dolores and Maeve first came into contact and Maeve was just kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not 
wanting to be a part of your thing. You go off, do what you want. I have my own thing. And they kind of parted Split. ways there. Yeah. Um, she had, yeah, that really good line. Um, oh, I had it somewhere. Basically, yeah, Maeve <clears> was just, yeah, she's she was just done with. Um, she's like, yeah. That's just uh, another prayer at their altar or something. Yes. Yeah, revenge is just a different prayer at their altar, and I'm well off my knees. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's such a good line. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's doing her she's doing the samurai thing. She is she is a Ronin. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. That was okay, this is actually one thing I was a little bit upset about with this episode, is at the end of episode five, we show uh Maeve go like just ape mode and yeah. just start like taking out all these guys and basically mind controlling the entire little enclave to just fight and kill each other and yeah. then she grabs a sword and she's like you know i found a new voice and mm-hmm. you're like the whole army is running towards them and then the next time you they, see them it's like morning the battle's over they're they just chilling you don't get to see any of it i was like no that was literally i wanted to see that <laughs> Uh, that was I, I would say that was my biggest complaint with this episode was yeah they just skipped mm. the whole entire battle but um, yeah <laughs> yeah the the beginning of this episode was a little bit anticlimactic from yeah the last one I mean it showed a lot of gore and it was very violent but mm. it wasn't it was just not as it wasn't very satisfying um, there wasn't a big payoff of oh it's like let's see Maeve use her powers like you said yeah. Um, and, and and then Maeve kind of I feel like she kind of switched a little bit this be this episode too, just kind of becoming more I don't know, less aggressive, like less mm. kind of like, yo, let's get it, let's go back to Westworld mm-hmm. and you know, let's 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 save my daughter, but also like wreck shop and you know Yeah, yeah. Put some hurting <laughs> on people. Right. Which yeah, I know that's interesting. She has that line that she says, um, about letting people kind of make their own choice, even if mm-hmm. that choice is death. Is death. Yep. Um, and kind of letting people choose, which I thought was interesting because then, you know, when when Akane um, decides to stay and they're like, well, you guys can't stay. But she's like, well, like, no, it's OK, because you get to decide your own fate. Or at least that's what Akane tells Maeve, because she repeats the quote back to her, and he's like, we almost decide our own fate, even if it's death. And so Maeve just kind of goes on. What I think is interesting, though, is that if that's a statement, Maeve said that originally, and I guess what is ironic about that is that Maeve, I feel like, also has been doing a lot of manipulating other hosts or other people's lives to mm-hmm. kind of just bend it to her own will. I just think mm-hmm. it's interesting if she's starting to have this understanding of like, okay, well maybe it's not about kind of this domineering force of just making people do what I want, but it's mm-hmm. maybe letting people have their own decisions or make their own decisions. Um, right. But I guess at first, when she first said it, I was like, man, that's a little ironic because I feel like her whole mission up to this point has just been all sorts of letting, deciding people's fate for them. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, she's, I mean, I, I didn't really notice it because been so enthralled in her own journey, but she's brought along this gang of people that yeah. like, are really supposed to be doing other things. Like, Lee should be probably getting back to humanity, uh, Felix and Sylvester as well, um, Hector. I mean, like, I feel like Hector has no personality now. Like, whenever yeah. he was with Maeve at the top of that hill before she went to the farmstead, he was like, oh, let me go with you. Like, mm-hmm, all kind of, like, mm-hmm. heroically and, like, romantically. And then when she said, no, I must do this myself, he just, like, kind of stone-faced, like, kind of looked at her, then looked away. Is yeah. like, what happened to you? Which, I guess it's kind of interesting, just as you're saying that, I'm starting to think about the parallel host relationship that we have with Dolores and Teddy. Mm. And I think that there's been a lot, at least at the beginning, with Dolores and Teddy, at least the first couple episodes up until Teddy 2.0, Teddy was just, he was just (laughs) there for the wide. Like, poor, poor Teddy was just getting dragged along on Dolores' mission, um, and Dolores was just wrecking face and right. teddy's just kind of innocent eyed just like well can't we just run off and <laughs> be together and all this stuff so i feel like it's interesting yeah that you say that because it seems like yeah all the sweet nothings all that stuff but like but yeah with mave and um 
Hector. What's his Hector? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. they're just like he's just kind of along for the ride and just kind of there now, True. which is interesting. Yeah, like I was dogging on Teddy so much, but like thinking about it, I was like, man, Maeve's doing the same thing to Hector, mm-hmm, and Hector's mm-hmm. just like he's infatuated with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I think, so with that, I guess just kind of closing out that um, scene when Maeve goes and talks to her daughter and has this whole interaction with her, but then the other mm-hmm. mom shows up and then the oh, natives yeah. show up and start attacking. All that is interesting. But then you have the the three humans, uh, Lee and the other Sylvester and um, Felix. Felix, there we go. Man, I always mix up all the names. but So they're all on the hill, and then Lee pulls out this little smartphone that he ripped off of a security guy mm-hmm. and starts calling for backup and is like for the actual Delos crew to come get him. Right. And then uh, Felix runs to go help Maeve. Mm. Um, and then Sylvester stays with Lee, uh, obviously. But mm-hmm. so I thought it was interesting too, where it's like this whole time Maeve has been on this mission, this very controlling dominant. She's basically been like manipulating Felix from mm-hmm. the get go to you know control, her. and then now it's at the point where Felix is actually okay. Well, I want to help her. Mm. So that was kind of interesting, where he's kind of had this change of mindset um, yeah. from where he started. That's crazy. That. That is like totally turning the tables, right? Of like human and host. Hmm, like now, right. now look who's serving who. Right, right. What What did you think about um, kind of Maeve's reaction to seeing the daughter and then seeing the mom, hmm. and then like running away with the daughter? Yeah, that was really because it's interesting too. Because I mean, again, this whole entire time. Maeve has been watching Akane and Sakura and kind of having these flashbacks of her with her daughter and seeing this love that she had for her daughter and seeing the love that Akane has for Sakura and Mm. kind of having this whole dynamic, this motivation of understanding, I guess, Akane's point of view of like why she wanted to stay and why she didn't want to come with him and why she was even motivated to search for Sakura in the first place and try to rescue her and all this stuff. Like it seemed like Maeve was relating to that. Right. And then Maeve gets to her daughter and kind of had this, you know, this all this, you know, this this moment and then decides to just drag the daughter away and leave the mom who mm-hmm. probably somewhat probably has the same type of motivations or the code written into sure. her to care about her daughter and then just takes her, um, which I thought, yeah, that was interesting. I mean, I understand it because I guess it seems like Maeve's been on this mission for you know, six episodes but right. or seven episodes or so. And so I get that she would just want to take her daughter, but. Um, it is interesting that, yeah, she was just so willing to not let, or like to just take away that experience from another mother, Mm -hmm. um, to love her daughter. And I guess it was also kind of interesting that the daughter, it seemed like the daughter was okay with Maeve just taking her, which was, I mean, that's just a side Mm. anecdote, but, um. Well, she was like screaming out mama, like. That's true. That's true. Maeve was in point. Yeah. Okay. I lied. I lied. I lied. I lied. (laughs) I watched it. It was a couple of days ago when I watched it. So it's those yeah, yeah, details yeah. Were, were... Well, she didn't really have a choice, right? I mean, like, Maeve is also, just yes. pulling her. And, and I mean, I'm sure the daughter's thinking, like, oh, I don't want to get killed by the uh, the, uh, yeah. the Lakota people. But they're killing my mom. Um, so I don't know. It's just, when I watched that scene, it was, like, a little bit, it's kind of, like, blood curdling for me. Because I was like, mm. man, it's like this thing that Maeve has been romanticizing and kind of kind of just like really nostalgic about like come to reality it's like well don't you think they would have given her a new host mom by now and Mm -hmm. like uh maybe they re rewrote the daughter so she doesn't even remember Maeve like and all these things you don't think about but um Maeve is just like so I don't know I don't know how else to say like narrow-minded I guess yeah it's like I'm just gonna come and get what I feel like is best for me and my daughter, even though times have maybe changed. Hmm. And it, it's like, it's funny. Cause isn't that such a human, um, emotion or, hmm. um, you know, point of view. I feel like that's something that we do all the time is to have these very selfish or narrow focused viewpoints. And mm-hmm. we think, you know, this is the way that we want to do something. This is the way that it needs to be done. And we'll do whatever we can and try to make it happen that way. And often, at the expense maybe of other people's mm. experiences or life. So I think it's interesting maybe that it's kind of like this parallel to, mm. I just thought of that. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about that. Um, yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, 
talk about like politics and mm. uh, you know talk about like being millennials and and kind of the older generation clinging on to the past and to a point where it, it almost is to the detriment of uh, the youth and mm-hmm. um, you talk about like um, you I don't know just like in personal lives like when you want so badly something of the past that actually going and getting that or pursuing that actually hurts the person in the past, you know, in the future. But like, you know, it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, like pursuing an old relationship or like, I don't know, like friendships that you kind of romanticize or not romanticize, but just kind of like think about. And then like, go back. It's like, it's like, Oh, like you changed. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you don't play Pokemon anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You're cool now. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're cool now. Yikes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So it's interesting, yeah, to kind of see Maeve, um, how her story is, is unfolding right now. So I think it'll definitely add for some interesting conflict in the next episode when, if and when they reach a point of safety, when they have to have a discussion, Maeve has to have, to have Maeve has to have a discussion with her daughter, mm-hmm. or, um, about, who she is is her daughter gonna accept that is her daughter mm. just wanna gonna go back to her own mom is maybe gonna let her go back to her old mom is her old mm. mom even or her new mom i should say still alive like you know, all those different things will lead yeah. to some very interesting uh writing and dialogue and definitely conflict for mave who again yeah like we've been saying like up for this past you know seven plus episodes has been on this relentless pursuit of finding her daughter Mm-hmm. right right and it's finally come around Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of clinging to the past, uh, another pairing of characters experienced that when the men in black, man in black, mm. <laughs> not men in black, men in black, there's only one man. <laughs> yes. Uh, William, uh, confronts his, his daughter or her, mm. his daughter confronts him mm. about, uh, you know, the whole reason that he's driven himself to Westworld. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wants him back. She wants him to come back to reality, essentially. And, like, for a brief moment, you're like, oh, is there going to be this turning point here? Um, but William conceals his emotions so well that he does what we all expect. The next morning, mm-hmm. he just runs off away from her. Which, that whole scene, like, I feel like after watching William this entire time and seeing how... Um, how I mean, he's also in some ways kind of maybe similar to Maven, kind of like this very narrow focus of like, you know, this is his mission, this is his goal, and anybody or anything standing in his way is just going to get knocked down um, mm-hmm. or dead. But um, that was interesting. I guess knowing all of that background with William, when he tells his daughter that, oh, yeah, I guess we'll go back in the morning, I was like, that's. There's, there's no way that's yeah. going to happen. And then she wakes up and I was like, yep, he's gone. That's, <laughs> that's. That was definitely that. Yeah, I could see that was going to happen. But um, it's like true to his character. Yeah, very, very, very true to his character. Um, it does seem like I guess I'd be interested to see. I don't know if they'll explore this very much, but um, kind of like, yeah, the daughter, because it seems like she's very comfortable in the park. And I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. if her dad owns it, she probably was there a lot. And they talk a little bit about you know, the elephants and they have differing, they remember her childhood a little differently about whether it was her or her mom that liked the elephants or whatever it Mm. was. And, but yeah, she's like very, very comfortable. She started off in the, um, the Raj, I think, or, Mm -hmm. um, the big game hunting, uh, park and was very comfortable there. And then pops over to Westworld and is like, you know, shooting the people who try to um, attack them and like all this stuff. And it seems very, very, um, you know, good in that environment. And William also seems to know that she's good in that environment. Um, But yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of, yeah, I just want to learn more about, yeah, her and um, see kind of what she, her whole you know, game is right now. Yeah. Her whole, yeah. Her whole MO. I'm not really MO, sure. Yeah. Cause, cause with her, like, yeah, maybe she does want him to come back to the real world, but for what purpose? Um, like I'm wondering, you know, if the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, maybe she has an ulterior motive of herself, mm. you know? Um, I mean, 
Yeah, I just, I don't completely buy it, especially her reaction when she gets up from, uh, from the, from the fire, uh, gets up in the morning and the, and the fire mm-hmm. starter guy's just like chilling there eating his beans or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and she just like gets up, she's like, F, like, oh, I knew it. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you're really like trying to, you know, right, not right your wrongs, but like really trying to like mend a relationship, like you wouldn't be distraught in that way. Like you might be more sad and mm-hmm. I don't know. She seemed more just pissed off. Yeah. Which, hmm, this is just a random, not necessarily super random, but about her character. When she's first introduced, she has a scene where she hooks up with a random um, guest. Mm -hmm. And she has this whole dialogue with him about trying to prove that, or have him prove that he's not a host. Right. Um, and she has this whole thing about, you know, they have this certain way of thinking and this way of talking and all this stuff. And you got to ask them the right questions and all these things. But mm-hmm. all the things that she asks him to do, um, she doesn't do. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. When I first saw her, I was mm-hmm. like, this is interesting. I didn't know who she was, but it was interesting. It's then later on when William and uh, when he's talking to his daughter, he thinks that she's a host. Yep. She thinks he thinks that he's just a part of the world in the game. And not necessarily we don't know that she's not a host, but I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting that there's this whole dynamic there where, you know, William has been in this thing for so long that he thinks his daughter is just a part of the game. And it could potentially be that she maybe is. If we've I mean we've seen how far along this whole um, you know, host replicancy has yeah. come along, especially with Bernard, that maybe it's possible that maybe maybe she is a host. Yes. And could have this, yeah. you know, ulterior motive of, you know, whatever it might be. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Man. Any other little nuggets from this episode that stood out to you? Um, I did like, uh, with, at the, I guess we kind of talked about this a little bit, but, um, jumping back to Bernard going into the cradle, um, when they first go down into the cradle, uh, Elsie says, you know, I've always thought this is, you know, a little creepy. It seems like everything's alive. And then Bernard's like, well, it's just data. You know, I've never found Mm -hmm. this guy. It's just data. And then mm-hmm. um, later she's like, well, I won't have time. She's going to put his uh, pearl or his mind into the cradle. And um, she says, well, I won't be able to turn down your pain modifiers or whatever it is. And he's like, you know, pain is just a program mm-hmm. and kind of this very rational, yeah, logical quote. Um, quote from him. And yeah, this is very, very interesting kind of his perspective on um Kind of, so it almost kind of it reminds me of the the classic host saying from season one, you know, it doesn't look like anything to me mm. of just kind of like where there's like this very clear disconnect between human emotions of, you know, fear of something being alive or, um, you know, too real when it's not actually real and all this stuff. And then just the robot host thought of, well, no, it's just, you know, it's just information. It's just data. It's just, you know, sure. it's just xyz or whatever it is very black yeah, and yeah, white yeah. it's interesting mm. yeah it's very interesting i'm curious to see where that goes and um yeah yeah just bernard's just a very interesting character uh these these past few episodes just he's always changing mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. uh, i was gonna say with bernard too like it seems so at the beginning, well, this whole entire time he's been having, like, we've learned, I guess, that his malfunctioning is causing him all of his memories to kind of occur at once. So there's no way of right. him really establishing what's now and what's then. So there's a recurring quote that he has, is this now, is this now, is this mm-hmm. now? Um, and... Well, it's interesting then when he has this flashback with the cradle specifically when he goes and gets Ford's mind from the cradle or from the uh, the special lab and has all of the drones in the lab kill the human technicians. He even kills one himself. And then right. he hides that from Elsie. You know, he just says, you know, there's nothing wrong. Everything's fine. Mm. And it seems like 
Bernard's been saying this whole time that he doesn't really know what's going on or that, you know, he's just as confused as Elsie is. But I feel like Bernard knows a lot more about mm. what's happening than he's letting on. And maybe there's like a fear of like, well, if he says, hey, I killed someone, maybe Elsie will turn on him again. Right. But I do feel like Bernard is definitely hiding something. And especially since the whole series, really the whole episode, the whole season started with Bernard. I feel like this season is definitely more focused maybe not more focused but definitely the evolution and growth of bernard as a character mm -hmm. um has been highlighted a lot more or centralized i should say a lot more in this right. season um which is mm -hmm. yeah cool to see yeah we'll see what happens with him especially with the new revelation that ford is back essentially yeah um how will that affect bernard's character and uh, what side will he take? Will he mm -hmm. will he be Team Delos, Team Human, or will he be Team Ford and Team Host? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. We don't know. And then we don't know how these storylines are all going to converge. You know, like this right. episode was almost a smattering of different character little slices. You mm -hmm. know, and uh, we didn't really even get to talk about Dolores and Teddy, but. Yeah they're doing things and uh they blew up the mesa almost you know or you know they're doing something to you know invade or you mm -hmm. know, kill someone or target someone in the mesa right which yeah i think even that whole thing is interesting too because as far as we know up to current point in time at least whatever's present day we know that bernard the lesser Hemsworth brother and the <laughs> Delos crew are all trying to figure out what happened with this whole lake that all of the hosts are in and all this craziness. Mm -hmm. um, but what we don't know is mm. at least there's, you know, we don't know what happened with this whole attack on the Mesa. It mm. seems like um, we don't know what happened to Hale. Hale, I don't think, is around in present day or at least hasn't been shown yet present sure. day. Um, and there's also the Delos, the first, um, response Delos crew. There's the, uh, guy oh, Coughlin, um, yeah. and he is not shown later on either. And so mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe they just have, you know, different people come in and there's, you know, the higher ups that are starting to, you know, land and take control. But it's, I think it's interesting. Yeah. That like Hale and Coughlin aren't really around in the present day times uh, that we've seen so far. Um, so it'll be mm -hmm. interesting to kind of see in this first attack that Dolores, or at least this main at this initial attack that Dolores has on the Mesa, mm -hmm. if something happens with Hale and Coughlin and kind of, yeah, what is Dolores's game even right now? Like, what is she trying to do? Right. Yes. Oh, my brain hurts. Uh, <laughs> I, uh. Is this now? Yeah. Is this now? Is this now? Here's a question for you. How, um... Yeah. How are you liking this season as a whole compared to last season? Ooh, um, I like it. Um, I like it, but I still like season one better. Hmm. Um, season one had its meandering stories and mm -hmm. little red herrings and all these little parts and pieces that eventually came together to be really cohesive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm really hoping it's going to be the same payoff slash revelation at the end of this season. Mm. Uh, but I'm feeling like it's not. Uh, mm. I feel like there's just too, there's just so much going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. in the first season, we just wrestled with a single concept of like, consciousness right mm -hmm. like that was the whole thing and then this season it's like about that plus like well what do you do when you have free will mm -hmm. and then also like well this immortality thing and quest mm -hmm. for immortality and then this whole other piece of like creating human host hybrids like it's like mm. how does this all oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh. uh, it's just it's maybe a little bit too much for my little brain so, hmm. no, I feel that. 
Yeah, no, I would say very similar. I think I definitely like season one more, I think, than this one, if only because I think season one also was doing a lot to unpack the world for you. Mm. And so I feel like with every episode, you're learning so much more about the world and about the characters. And it seemed like every episode also there's a new reveal about William or Bernard that made you yes. change the way that you thought about them. Yes. And so that was always... That very was wild the whole way. Yeah, very satisfying. And then, yeah, the conclusion of the first season was phenomenal. Um, just of the way that, yeah, it brought everything together to a pin or a point. Um, so I feel like, yeah, I definitely vibe with what you're saying about this season being all over the place, which maybe that's, I mean, it's definitely representative of Bernard. I feel like mm. we've kind of always followed Bernard and his experience through the whole sure. time, I guess through the, all the first season, it was always revelations through Bernard's eyes um, and a little with Dolores. But I think, yeah, with Bernard all over the place and you know, his mind very lost, that seems like a very big theme that they're also dealing with is just kind of yeah, this this scattering and this confusion, um, mm-hmm. which definitely makes for lots of question asking and lots of interesting things they can do a story but as a viewer like you're saying yeah it kind of makes hard it makes it very hard and challenging to track and follow everything that's happening and i feel sure. like after i watch the season i'm gonna have to go back and like rewatch the whole season just to understand things so right. I mean, yeah i i feel what you're saying i definitely would like or would hope that the end of the season wraps everything up and a nice little bow as it did with, uh, with the last season. Well, um, Caleb, only time will tell, you know, we will mm-hmm. have to see. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. The word is out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I guess we're going to close off this pod with our usual segment. Uh, what's mm-hmm. making you happy this week? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you had time to think about it, Caleb, but what's making you happy this week? Yeah, that's actually really easy. Um, I just got a job, so, oh, which is awesome. Um, yes. I graduated uh, back, I guess, back in May last year and mm-hmm. have basically been on the job hunt since then more seriously over the past three months. And, nice. um, you know, there are lots of ups and downs with that. I had a car and then got in a little car wreck and then lost that car mm. and had to get a new car. Oh and so that was a mess. And so basically all of December, I didn't have a car, but I recently just got a car, got that last week and then found out I got a job last week as well. Mm. And so 2019 already starting off looking pretty up. great. So yeah, that is definitely what's making me very, very happy this week. Um, I guess just that was maybe more, more superficial, but sort of real thing. But I guess no. something else, is, um, <laughs> something else that's also been making me happy. Um, I got to my, uh, Today, for in honor of Martin Luther King Day, my church uh, had a showing of Selma and then a little discussion oh. afterwards um, Very nice. about specifically, I guess, the way that uh, the church and church community can be do a better job of mm. fighting for justice. And um, we're going to be starting a new initiative to um, look at mass incarceration and the ways that the church can uh, help in that area. Um, and, uh, it was just, yeah, it was really, really cool to be involved, I guess, to be, yeah, to be involved with a community that is interested in engaging in that type of work and to see, uh, folks, lots of young folks too, that were there, um, and excited about learning and seeing, uh, I don't know, how can they be involved? So yeah, just very, yeah, very thankful and happy about that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, how about you? Um, yeah, for me, uh, I will up your super superficialness and <laughs> uh, raise you a first class ticket to and from Dallas. Ooh! Yeah, dude, that was crazy. It was my first time ever flying first class, and wow. only re- yeah, yeah. Uh, how how was it? Like, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Just like, <laughs> just as a quick, quick as quick as you can, you know, overview uh, of all the amazingness. But so they they offer you a drink right when you sit down. Um, like complimentary. Complimentary. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, you don't feel bad for asking for a refill. Mm. Uh, <laughs> they come around with like little snack boxes, like, and you can take as many snacks as you want. Um, the seats are super big and Mm. comfy. Uh, and I actually got to sit in my own 
like column, like my own little row, just with my wow. seat. Um, and oh, another like clutch thing is uh, you get to skip the security line. Basically, uh, there's like a separate priority line. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and the only reason I'm able to afford this is because I had these points mm-hmm. that I transferred mm-hmm. to. Like these transfer these chase points to another uh, airline, which has a crazy deal. Um, so my flight really only came out to three hundred dollars round wow. trip. Wow! Yeah. Um, so oh shout outs to <laughs> shout outs to shout chase out. points. Yeah. <laughs> turn out, turn out. Not a sponsor, not a sponsor, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a sponsor, yeah. not at all. Uh, but we don't mind if you give us free tickets. Um, hmm. Yeah. So. It was, it was definitely a treat. Um, don't know if I'll do it again unless I uh, need to rush to get a ticket because mm. usually I would pay less. I mean, I'm a budget guy. I usually mm-hmm, try mm-hmm. not to pay more than like $250 for a, a round-trip flight. Um, but on another note, the reason why I was in Dallas was to celebrate a friend's wedding. So mm. that was a beautiful thing just to see him and his wife um, – you know, just it was the first time for me really seeing them interact with one another, and I was the best man. I was like, "Yep, they they made the right choice. Mm. <laughs> he made the right <laughs> choice." Uh, yeah, and you know, just just to see them together and see that they genuinely care for one another, and mm. um, it was just it was just a really nice little ceremony. So That's those cool. are two things that are making me happy mm. this week. Nice, nice, nice. Thanks, as always, for pouring it over with me. Uh, And, um, Dill, we'll catch you next week. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, Caleb, as you do the honors? Yes, 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 yes. So this was the Pour Over podcast. You can email us at pouroveshow at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at pouroveshow or pourover underscore show to stay up to date with the Pour Over gang. Our artwork is done by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at here comes Daniel, all one word. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic one word. Thanks again for joining us and take care. Peace. Deuces. Yeah. Thanks, Caleb. Yes. No problem. No problem.